Mum, Dad, I'm straight. Said no one, ever. Recorded in London, I'm Charlie Braids Price, and I'm producing this episode of the podcast to talk about our sexuality. Ruby, this is our last podcast of series two. Ah, it's crazy. We made it. We made it. Did we hey, made we it? made it. Can you believe it? I can't. No, this is weird. I feel sad. I feel slightly sad, but I feel proud of where we've come. We've come. We went way. to a strip club. <laughs> we did go to a strip club. <laughs> that was our biggest outing of the series. It I was. Think. Yeah, a trip outside. Okay. We are doing this podcast all about our own sexuality, so mine and Ravina's sexuality. We need to do a disclaimer. Of course we need to do a disclaimer. We are two cis heterosexual women making a podcast about our own sexuality. We can only represent ourselves and our own experiences. We are LGBTQ plus allies. I mean, that sounds so fucking worthy, but it's true. (laughs) It's true. We hope to cover this area in other podcasts to come however today we want to take a deep dive into our own sexuality and our own feelings but also on that same note I've actually never spoken about my sexuality with anyone before and my feelings about my own sexuality so this should be interesting yeah I'm really looking forward to it heterosis girls here we go (laughs) and now a definition Heterosexuality is a person who's sexually attracted to people of the opposite sex. Cisgender is a term for people whose gender identity matches the sex they were assigned at birth. Cisgender may also be defined as those who have a gender identity or perform a gender identity society considers appropriate for one sex. So we are women and we are okay with that. I feel like cis puts a new word into sisterhood for us. Sisterhood. sisterhood but then a lot of activism is like not sisterhood not sisterhood oh yeah i mean because it's a privilege to be cis yes of course but it's a different experience right it's a just as valid experience as being non-cis i hope so because we're about to make a podcast about <laughs> it so here, here goes nothing so by all intents and purposes ruby you and me we do everything the mainstream tells us to do We've got men at home. <laughs> I love that. We've got men indoors. Um, find a man, settle down. If you want, you can get married. Have one of those babies. People really like that. Yeah. Do you think they like that? I think people do enjoy it when you, you tick boxes for them. It's easy to buy your greetings like, oh, card. Oh, I get it. You have a boyfriend at home. And, you know, people like, <laughs> ask you if you're like going traveling. Are you going alone? Oh, you have a boyfriend. Fine. You're going to be fine. There's There's a... A white privileged man at home and you're gonna be fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so 23 percent of people in the uk describe their sexual orientation as something other than 100 percent heterosexual so i'm assuming you and i are in the majority of people the 77 percent of people who describe themselves as 100 percent heterosexual i mean i'm making a massive assumption there because mm. we haven't actually spoken about this that's true Young people between 18 and 24, it's 49% who don't associate themselves with being heterosexual and 51% who do. So things are changing for the young'uns. Ruby, when did you come out as straight? (laughs) When did you come out to your parents and let them know you wanted to have sex with men? I think this is... My straightness has been very much enforced on me. Has it? I feel like there has been no real discussion or conversation I've had with myself 
uh, where I felt liberated enough to be like, is this something that you choose? I was straight because everyone around me was straight. I was straight because my parents had no gay friends. I was yeah. straight because that is everything that I saw and consumed in media. And I was straight because I thought that's what was expected from me. So there was a huge pressure to be straight. And I felt like really coming out and telling my parents that I fancied boys happened in like posters on my wall as a teenager. Yes. God, I had 911 posters for Backstreet Boys. <laughs> oh, yes, and that Backstreet was this. Do you know what though? I remember my mum saying, "Have you got a boyfriend?" I mean, I did, <laughs> and it was a boy. But what if it wasn't? Yeah. Like, there was never any assumption that it was anything other than straight. And I think while that is incredibly damaging for young people who choose to then uh, not choose, who discover later that they are uh, kind of maybe homosexual or have kind of tendencies in between, maybe they're bisexual. That's damaging for those people. It's also damaging for straight people and how they talk about their sexuality to each other it's damaging that you and I felt like it was forced on us because now it the way we talk about it and the way that we were pressed about it is like something we carry on and pass on to other people and I do feel like your sexual awakening is downplayed as something that is oh yeah she's into boys Mm -hmm. and it's like you do not understand like the hormones that are rushing through (laughs) my veins right now and the things I'm finding attractive are really kept under the radar because your sexuality is Oh, yeah. They're just experiencing puberty or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I think you're... I mean, this is a completely privileged position to be in. I completely understand that. And it, I, do, I don't talk about this because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But also being led by your vagina, I guess. Or being led by <laughs> <Vag> your... first. <laughs> your hormones. It's out of your control. It's... Mm. You can't control it. It's not... That's why it's not a choice. That's why it's... You're led by this thing that you, you're you actually sometimes a little bit terrified of. Was there a moment for you where your sexuality was defined? Was there a moment that you were like, okay, I'm straight? There was, there's been times in my life where I have thought I am very straight. And there have been times in my life where I feel a bit more fluid on that spectrum. Yeah. But then I guess, you know, the moment I am, I, I'm performing straight at the moment, I guess, because I'm in a relationship. <laughs> I feel like sexuality is a bit of performance anyway. Yeah. But, um... When I was younger, I remember having a, I had a boyfriend and we were like snogging and, you know, dry humping as you do when you're young. And Love I remember a bit being, of a dry hump. Oh you God. couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> they really don't. They just cut straight to it. Dry <laughs> humping is the best like, thing ever. Dry humping is like the epitome of your sexuality. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, this is animalistic yeah. weirdness. What are we trying to, why are we trying to touch each other? <laughs> what is happening here? But I remember just dry hump, humping. Just and, keep humping. Yeah. And being like, I want to take this further I want this I want to do something here and then I was like I must be straight but Mm. I've never dry humped a woman well once but so I mean I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I don't I don't know I feel like it wasn't it wasn't a moment but it was uh, to define my sexuality it was a moment that made me think yes this my body's wanting this Mm. but again beyond my control when I was at university so I was probably about 19 and I had like a little real, I remember just like, I was just watching telly and I think there was some gay characters in a, something I was watching in the drama I was watching. And I just thought, oh, I'm straight. And I was just like, oh God, like I've had sex with three people. They've all been men. I've only ever fallen in love with men. I must be straight. And I was like, cool, that feels quite comfortable. Don't need to worry about that anymore. Because I think as a teenager, especially if, I mean, for me, being in a household that expected straightness, 
it was something I worried about because mm. everything you hear about sexuality is that you're bought, your sexuality is who you are, you're born that way. Mm-hmm. So you can't control that. And yeah. I really believe that and I still believe it now. And so I was like, what if I'm, what if I'm gay? I haven't, coming out to my parents would be difficult. Mm. So it was something I did worry about. And then having the realisation that I was straight, I was almost like, oh, kind of off the hook a bit. Yeah. That sounds really bad. Oh, this is... No, not at all. I don't know. I, I, mean, I think I've had, like, the complete opposite. Like, I think I've worried about being gay a lot growing up. I was like, am I? Because I was... You know, I fancied boys, and I think I fancied girls, and I fancied kind of everything, and I'm quite like a And animate objects. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, lots of different things. When I was a teenager, everything would kind of lead me to think about sex in some way, whether yeah. it be, like, you know, male and female teachers, <laughs> or, or, like, anything. I'd be like, oh, my God, It's like, I'm do so I just want to be next to you, or do I want to yeah. be on you? I just don't know how I'm feeling And I remember feeling young and feeling panicked that I was gay, because I was like, shit, what happens next? Who do I tell? Yeah. I don't want to be one of those, like keep it in the closet secret gay people I want to be out if I am but I didn't know whether I was enough because mm. I didn't want to be just like oh I I fancied Miss Hay so <laughs> I must be gay and it's like well I didn't want to be a fake gay I didn't want to because I had two friends at school who came out to me when I was quite young and they were both well one of them's you know still a practicing homosexual practicing. Call it. and the other one's you know married and has kids and you're like well yeah I don't know married. I just wanted, I wanted to make sure I was sure and how do you be sure when you're so young and you're discovering it for you yourself? haven't had your relationships yet yeah you don't know you haven't had those options I just remember when I was about 14 15 there was a, just a girl I was obsessed with in sick form I didn't even know who she was <laughs> and like Every time she walked past at school, I was like, oh my God, she's just perfect. She's perfect. And I would just be, I don't know, I'd just be like, she is so sexy and so perfect. And oh my God, she's looking at me. And then I was like, oh, am I a lesbian? Is that what, is that what that is? And wor- like thinking about that and worrying about that, not really, you know, I'm never acting upon that. And then I kind of fell in love with a man (laughs) it sounds really cheesy but like I had my first proper relationship I lost my virginity to a man and then since then all of my romantic engagements have been with men Mm. but then that doesn't mean I'm not sexually attracted to women yeah and that feels like a really big deal even telling you that because I've never even spoken to anyone about that before (laughs) that's great I hope that's liberating for you it is liberating because I don't think that your sexuality should be defined by like what your experiences are also you shouldn't over intellectualise your sexuality almost because it's so raw and so like pure like the things that you're attracted to is like the purest thing ever there's Mm. like like you can't contrive how you feel about someone it just happens like love you know love you can fall in love with somebody and be like I don't even know why I like you. You're everything that I should hate. On paper, I'm <laughs> never going to be together, but I'm Those are probably the relationships you. that won't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, have you ever experimented with a woman or transgender person, somebody who doesn't conform to like the gender binaries of man and woman mm. and like what's your actual experiences? Because me personally, I have only had sexual experiences with men. Mm-hmm. Like cis men. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've had, uh, I've snogged quite a few women. So I've snogged, well, I like experimented with my school friends when I was 
a student. Maybe everyone, Did you? Everyone in school? That. Yeah, in school. I didn't do that. Yeah, we were in sixth form and we were in the back of a car and we were like, I've never kissed a girl. So there was like five of us and we all just like... Kiss each other. We took it in hands to kiss each other. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh my God. You're like really childish and like not exciting. It was just like quite stupid. <laughs> and then I... No, but it's nice that you did that in a zone without men around. Oh yeah. Because the girls I know who have like kissed other girl I mean this sounds it sounds really lame doesn't it but like the girls I know they kiss other girls or have done it in front of men like in a club or in a house party mm. and it's like oh go on kiss yeah do it. and it's like that whole thing of like lesbians being overly sexualized and like made for the male gay so it's nice that you got to have that experience away from that yeah that's true that was quite nice the kind of furthest I've taken it is I was in a club at, at the Roxy uh, in, in nice. like yeah Soho and I was with, like a bunch of my school friends I think I was just back from first year university maybe experimenting feeling quite free and liberated probably yeah. and I was just at the bar and some woman just started talking to me and she reached over and like put my hair behind my ear oh and I was yeah like, that's what the popular girls do this is like so odd and she likes me and like I think I might like her and I was just really excited that somebody fancied me as you as I as I was for most of my youth <laughs> um, yeah and we had a good snog and then a bit of a touch fest I guess yeah that didn't go anywhere because I was living at home with my parents and were you like bye <laughs> gotta get home night bus <laughs> I need to be home by midnight <laughs> <laughs> this pumpkin will break so you didn't did you not exchange numbers no we didn't I think she probably knew that I was underage or like not underage but like young <laughs> so I was at first year university but like young you know like kind of not really knowing what I was doing and I was worried that she was kind of getting a bit of a kick out of it. Right. But we had like full-on tonguey snog hands on boobs. Like, like, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. I wasn't like, yeah, I mean, I, I did enjoy it. There was no backing out of that. It was fun. Yeah. Like, but I never, it never happened again and I never pursued it again. So I don't, I don't know what that means in regards to my sexuality. It means that you were experimenting and that's absolutely fine. Yeah, but I kind of hate the idea of straight women being like, I just, ex- I dabbled in like the whole lesbian experience. It's like, because I don't really feel like I did. I haven't, yeah. haven't had sex with a woman. And I also hate it when straight women say, oh, I could never eat pussy. And yeah, you're like, that's Sorry, weird. What? Why? Is that, that's, I find that really self-hating. Yeah, like, like it's a, but you can suck a de- dick. Degrading like, thing. Yeah. To... So, one in four women who self-identify as heterosexual have had a sexual experience with another woman. That's a really nice stat. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. So, um, let's just do a couple of definitions of different types of sexualities because I think we do often get caught in the binary and we we just got caught in it just then even in our discussion about it of like have you had a lesbian experience and a straight experience because and that's like, all there are is they, yeah it's like one or the other yeah like it was just an experience you just snogged someone in a club that you liked and then went home and that's fine yeah if it was a man I wouldn't have been like did you get the number did you try it again because <laughs> anyway pansexuality Pansexuality or omnisexuality is the sexual, romantic or emotional attraction towards people regardless of their sex or gender identity. Um, And also another type of sexuality that I think is really interesting is sapiosexuality. A sapiosexual is a person who is sexually attracted to the intelligence or the human mind before appearance. I think I'm a sapiosexual. (laughs) I mean, I've had some really intense conversations which are as good as sex. Wow. Like... You sound sapiosexual. Me I call my husband sapiosexual. Me and my husband had sapiosexual conversations for about 10 years before we got together. 
Yeah, you had like mind sex. We but would just David... sit together and just have really deep chats about. The problem with sapiosexuality that's never really sat well with me is this idea that you're supposed to suppress physical attraction. Not suppress it. But is it suppress? To, but you're supposed to disregard it and focus on the mind because what it's suggesting is like this higher state of uh, kind of connectivity between humans. It's when we are just connecting with our minds. And I think that your yeah, body but... and mind are so closely connected because you can't fuck someone's brain, right? Can you not? <laughs> Can you not fuck someone's brain? Like, have you ever the had a of... really great conversation with somebody and you're just like, that changes everything? And then you go and shag them and you're like, that was shit. Okay, you haven't had that experience then. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I want to talk about our personal sexuality because I think our sexuality is like 50-50 like your own personal sexuality and then the sexuality you have of your partner right Mm -hmm. but it's also like your perceived idea of what you think is sexy and the things that you know your partner thinks are sexy and how you bring those things together what makes you feel sexy I really like it when I've had a bath and I'm really clean That's cute. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh, I'm so clean, and like we can just do anything. Like we can now get really dirty because I'm really clean. <laughs> and the whole of my body is ready forever. Yeah. Whatever you want to do to it right now. Yeah, but also just feeling sexy is a real state of mind for me. I've got to be feeling like body com- body confident. I hate saying that, but like you know, yeah, just, no, like, it's true. Isn't happy it? with my size, happy with like my outfit, and just having a real self confidence. And that's that's a mindset. What about you? What makes you feel? Sometimes I quite like going completely against that mm-hmm. like just being like dirty and fucking gross and being like people don't think it's attractive but I do <laughs> kind of thing yeah I mean obviously I'm on my own in those times because I'm <laughs> respectful to my partners and will be clean but like I find it quite liberating in all the wobbles and all the imperfectness I have this feeling like when I'm horny I do not give a fuck what I look like Oh, yeah. Like, there's something... Like, if you could just be in a constant state of arousal, your body confidence would be sky high, right? Mm. Am I, do you feel like that? Am I the only one that feels like that? No, I mean, I can masturbate under any conditions. Dirty, yeah. clean. Even, like, unwell. Wet, I'll dry, be, like, really unwell. Ill. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. I, and also, I can find myself to be horny at any of those moments, yeah. too. Like, it doesn't... My personal sexuality and my sexuality game for myself is very on point. I think I really respect myself. And I <laughs> give myself everything. I like I myself in any situation. <laughs> and even kind of like myself more when it's a bit gross. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like um, all the traditional things like lingerie? <laughs> lingerie. Lingerie. Do you wear um, lots of lingerie? No, I don't. I have like nice underwear and yeah. I have like, you know, sort of. I don't know if it's called lingerie unless it's like a one piece. Wait, what's lingerie? Is it like stockings and shit? Or I is it just, just nice thought like underwear? lace. I don't know. Oh yeah, I got loads of lace. I love lingerie. Love it. I have like cotton pants. I am not a nice underwear woman. I'm just not. I tried it once and somebody I was with was like, that's really tacky. I don't know why you're wearing that. And then I was just like, okay, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And now my pants just have like little cartoons of avocados and shit on them. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I do not own one pair of lace pants or bras. Do you seriously? No, who's that for? 
You just get naked. I Don't like looking, looking at my bum in the mirror in French knickers mm. and being like, <laughs> Where did that come from? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Okay, sex toys. Is that something you're into? <laughs> this is like, I just want everyone well, to know I that. that Charlie's getting really awkward. <laughs> it doesn't have to be awkward because it's just me. Uh, no, I don't own a sex toy. No, shut up. I don't own. A, I don't know. I own a vibrator or a. Yeah, no, I don't. Like an egg. Oh, I have a yoni egg. Yes, I was going to tell you about my yoni egg, what which is was gifted yoni to egg? me. It's a very small, uh, pink egg. Um, that a friend of mine gave me for my birthday, for my 30th birthday. And you put it inside and then you masturbate. It's like a little, it's an egg. It's a stone. And you put it inside you and then you masturbate. And it does a little jiggle. Uh, it just is supposed to be good for your, like, chakras and good energy. Um, also really good for your muscle tightening. Oh, that doesn't um, sound fun. It had some good times with it. Why does it make you feel good? It, it was more interesting than masturbating without it. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, a yoni egg, look it up. It's kind of interesting. That's interesting. Do you have a vibrator? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> How have you not got one? God made women with tiny hands. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was like, uh, I could skate and summers like every so often. Oh, nice. They top up, of course. Yeah, great. I mean, I want one. I'm not like anti them. But have you never had one? I've never used one, no. Oh my god! I know. I want to. Wow. How? That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if that's a rarity. Do you use porn? I have used a lot of porn, yes. Used less, it? Less used it. I've used it. I've used it a lot. <laughs> less so now, actually. I have used porn in the past, but less so now. Um, I got really obsessed with it when I was at university and thought really? I had like, a really weird habit. I was like, oh my God, I'm watching weird amounts of porn. And like, porn is, is horrible, actually. It's not very... Is it not very satisfying? Uh, well, you can get there quite quickly if that's what you want. But it's not it's not very creative. I used to like masturbate to novels when I was a teenager. Like, <laughs> not like fucking Harry Potter, Charlie Dick, is it? Is it? <laughs> I mean, what part? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like kind of, you know, Mills and Boons type things, Daniel Steele, that kind of shit. Daniel Steele, mm. I used to read those. And then when I got to university, I discovered the internet and yeah. I had a room away from my family and like could... Do whatever you wanted. Do whatever I wanted. So yeah, I've definitely used porn, but yeah, never, I've never found it enough. I'm probably only to experiment with some better porn. I've never used porn. You've never used I'm porn s- to come up, to like come off? come on I've never come off to porn <laughs> no I, I I had a look once and it just really freaked me out why I just think well, the porn wasn't made for me it was really aggressive like I just you think you just gotta find your thing a giant penis is not what I'm after and also I just kind of like with my own sexuality I don't think I'm turned on by external factors. Like, I want to keep it real with myself and, like, I am enjoying myself. Right. And the thought of me being with me is enough. Oh. That's <laughs> so interesting. You turn yourself on. It's like, Charlie, you're looking good today. Yeah, I guess that's kind of nice, actually. It's you kind can of... be turned on by yourself. I like that. And also just using it as, like, a time to reflect 
wrapped in like a almost like a massage. <laughs> that sounds so shit, doesn't it? No, it sounds fine. But, but as like a little it therapy like you got, for yourself. I mean, which I know you don't. It sounds like you've got some time on your hands because normally you just want to be in there an hour, right? You're like, right, I've got five minutes. Oh my alone. god, that's the worst. Those are the worst because dud orgasms are shit. I know, and you're like, oh god, uh, that was what? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, just pretend to I've be dulled normal. my senses. What else can I do? Yeah, oh god. <laughs> So we've all heard the saying that men think about sex every seven seconds. But what about women? So a 2011 study of 283 students by psychologists at the Ohio University found that women think about sex an average of 18.6 times a day, which is about every 50 minutes in waking hours. I mean, I kind of think, I don't know if like, what does thinking about sex really mean? Penetrative sex. Is that what it means? Penetrative sex. I do not believe that men are thinking of sex more than us. No. We're in our sexual peak. Yeah. In our early 30s, this is the time. We're in our prime, nor that they hold the monopoly on sexual arousal. No. And sometimes you try and second guess a man where you're like, oh, you're looking at her tits, weren't you? And they were like, who? And you're like, oh my God, I was looking at her tits. <laughs> that was me. That was me, yeah. Like you, I often catch myself out. Do you ever, how often do you think about sex? Mm, I kind of go through phases. So sometimes I think about sex like all the time. Yeah, me too. Every day, all the time. And you like, have like a, a sexy week. And yeah. then the next week you're like, nah, I can't But I mean like it. all the time. Like I will have like maybe 10 minutes of downer time where I'm thinking about <laughs> where I can eat. Or like where, where I can, can get eat work early. Or like, you know. But I will just be constantly thinking about it. And I can definitely, I have to stop my brain and be like, brain, you got a full-time job. You have people that you need to speak to. Stop thinking about having sex with Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. He's a big fantasy of mine, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't think I could trust him as far as I could throw him. He'd never enter my brain as a sexual <laughs> conquest. I just don't trust him. He wow. would really treat me bad. I know he would. Are you a pervert? I think so, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I think we all are deep down, aren't we? all are. We? we all have, like, perversions about weird shit that we want to happen to us and that we want to try. We're just embarrassed to talk about it. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely. I think that's a big, a big part of it. Um, I don't actually know what it means, though. Just perving at somebody and being a bit creepy, staring at their bits. Oh. Do you ever stare at men's bits? No. You can't see much these days. Do you never stare at a crotch and think, hello? You've got a big dick. Yeah. (laughs) Never ever. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Sometimes, like, do you ever get it with somebody that's like totally not, you never thought you fancied, and then suddenly you're like, whoa. You're, oh, yes. And then you're just freaked out by them for the rest of a day or week or somebody could be doing something kind of gross and you can be like <laughs> yeah I'm really I'm really into that I'm really <laughs> like what I'm really like eating a way. sandwich in a particular way no worse you know how it's been like really hot in London and like, yeah you see someone in the gym and they'll be like dripping with sweat and sweat's like on their shirt and you'll be like you are like so fucking disgusting I should not be turned on by you right now <laughs> <laughs> So after my feminist awakening, I had to massively reassess my own sexuality and I'd be totally lying if I didn't say that it affected my sex life. I now analyse my own behaviour 
Is this sexy to me because of the male gaze? Mm. Does what I enjoy, is it empowering or is it degrading? As a woman who has sex with men, all of the relationships I've had have had that male-female dynamic in it and I kind of have to renegotiate how I deal with that. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's it's every feminist's worst nightmare when she realises her inner misogynist voice is loud. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the things she wants sexually are not right. Or mm. well, the things that she thinks she should be in, like, yeah. in a kind of sexual space. I had this kind of impression that men should just want to have sex with me and that I shouldn't really have to come on to anyone because mm. I'm a woman. They should just want us, right? They should and chase us. if... I I found sexual rejection really, really hard to take when mm. it came. <laughs> I was like, why would you not want to have sex with me right now? You're a man, you want sex all the time, mm. and I'm just giving it to you on a plate here. And why like, don't you want I'm it? sorry, are you gay? <laughs> and it's just, that's just really wrong. And... Mm. Yeah, I think that's true. So I think in this final part, we should just talk about some different theories, some different sexual theories, and discuss how we feel about them. Mm-hmm. I'm interesting to know how they sit with you. So, first of all, let's talk about political lesbianism. So, it's the phenomenon within feminism, primarily second-wave feminism and rag- radical feminism. It includes, but is not limited to, um, lesbian separatism. Political lesbianism embraces the theory that sexual orientation is a political and feminist choice and advocates lesbianism as a positive positive alternative to heterosexuality for women as part part of their struggle against feminism. So political lesbianism originated in ni- the 1960s among second wave radical feminists as a way to fight compulsory heterosexuality. So we're nearly 60 years on from political lesbianism. Does it make any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that whole like idea of lesbian separatism is really interesting because it's, it's like the most radical thing you could do as a woman as a feminist woman is to is to kind of like look inwards to other women and support other women and close yourself off from men i can see why that would be a thing it feels incredibly radical doesn't it to be a lesbian for like political purposes and sometimes i think when you're a feminist you do feel a separation from the men in your life because there are some things that men can't understand Absolutely, yeah. because they haven't lived that experience and i've had some really meaningful conversations and you know I'm a sapiosexual <laughs> I'm joking with women that I can't have with my male partners mm. and it's just that kind of um that co- connectivity that you can have with women that really it's it's just so special like it's yeah it's so cool to have that with women and I can I can completely understand all female festivals you know there's like female communes in Canada where they just want to hang out with each other because they feel completely able to be themselves Mm. there's no pretense you have to like you know try and be this idea of something under the male gaze you can just be a woman but then is that kind of downplaying the lesbian experience by being like i'll be a political lesbian Mm. but that's actually people's sexuality and it may be quite rude to suggest that as a straight woman i would change my sexuality i guess but then isn't your sexuality sometimes a bit of how you project yourself out to the world anyway there is some activism in in your sexual being you know yeah like i would never have relationship with like a known misogynist yeah and we both got with quite like woke men <laughs> woke men <laughs> feminist men yeah married one you know it's like we 
we still are performing something in that. If people talk about my husband, I'm always like, yeah, but he's a real feminist. <laughs> like an excuse for right. him, for, yeah. for my being with a man. So the next theory I want to talk to you about is arousal non-concordance which is basically when there's a disconnect between your physical response and the experience of your own pleasure and desire. Emily Nangoski did a TED talk on this very matter and it's it's a scientific study basically into the way that we experience a physical sexual reaction. So for men that might be an erection, for women that might be genital blood flow, um, a wetness of a vagina. And basically... What she's talking about is that genital blood flow doesn't predict what we find arousing. It's a physical response which doesn't have a connection with our brain and what we think is sexy. And she kind of argues that it's like a Pavlov's dog response. You hear the bell, you assume there's food. That doesn't mean you want to eat the bell. (laughs) It means that you understand that when you hear that bell, that's something associated with sex. Yeah. So you can be turned on by something associated with sex by not actually being turned on about what it is. So here's a section from her TED talk. Another friend back in college told me about her first experiences of power play in a sexual relationship. She told me that her partner tied her up with her arms above her head like this. She's standing up and he positions her. So she's straddling a bar, presses up against her clitoris like this. So there's my friend standing there and the guy leaves to power play. Leaves her alone. So there's my friend. And she goes, I'm bored. And the guy comes back and she says, I am bored. And he looks at her and he looks at the bar and he says, then why are you wet? Why was she wet? Is it sex-related to have pressure directly against your clitoris? Yeah. Does that tell him whether she wants or likes what's happening? Nope. What does? tell him whether she wants or likes what's happening. She does. She recognized and articulated what she wanted and liked. All he had to do was listen to her words. Have you ever been in a situation where your body said something different to your head? Uh, yeah, I think so. I have. I guess my body's always wanting things that my head's like, this is inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) This is not what you really want. Yeah, my body's always not. It's not. I'm not saying it's disconnected from my mind, but it definitely has a. It has a force of its own as well. And I think with sexuality, we often think, "Oh, I'm wet, so I must love this." Yeah. Or I'm dry, so maybe I'm not into, into this. this, and it yeah. really fucks with you. Mm, yeah. And when I heard that full TED talk, we'll link to it in the note, the show notes, but it really changed everything for me Mm. because it made me think about how I think about my partners. Does an erection mean that a male wants to have sex with me? No, it doesn't. They'll tell you if they want to have sex with you. And, Mm. And also situations where I might have, like, it might have kind of passed the line of, is this sexual assault? Mm. Oh no, but I must have enjoyed it because I remember being wet for it. Yeah. Which is gross. Or I liked all the snogging bits, and I liked all the touching bits. I liked all of those bits up until that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's confusing. I think if if your body's giving you different messages to what you're feeling, that's incredibly confusing, yeah. Especially when you're young. I think consent is, like, the sexiest thing, though. Why would you ever sidestep that vocalisation of what you want sexually? 
I think it's because we've been like fed this myth of like women are really chaste and when she says no what she really means is maybe yeah you've got yeah. to keep trying and you've got to keep chasing and you've got to keep pushing and you've got to keep probing and in the same way women are taught to be a bit more like um oh no i i couldn't possibly oh yeah God, we have to stop, stop teaching young stop. girls like that yeah it's so bad okay the third theory is about female sexuality and arousal is evolution so women who would identify as heterosexual are more likely to experience arousal when shown pornographic material featuring women than heterosexual men are when they're shown similar material depicting men. Dr. Satoshi Kanazawa has advanced a new theory that is due to older cultures in which men often had multiple wives using sex between them to form bonds to diffuse conflict. This subsequently increased harmony within familial units and benefited wider communities. Wow, that's nuts, isn't it? Getting all of your wives to have sex with each other so they won't hate each other. They'll kind of love each other. They'll love each other. (laughs) That really worries me. Like, that makes me feel a bit sad that our sexuality isn't our own and it's kind of forced upon us by prior patriarchal communities that make women have sex with each other. God. But some feminists argue that society is structured to promote sexualization of women, which results in wider sexual arousal responses, whereas men are less likely to be presented with sexually exploitative or reductive forms of sexuality of men. I think I agree with the feminists in that one. I don't think it's about us, like, having some historical way of thinking, oh, well, you bond with the other we wives? must all be tight with each other so that none of us are the favourite, you know, we can all just be equal in our man's eyes. It's just... Jesus, how many posters and adverts have you seen of naked women, you know, like covering themselves in water in bikinis or like women in really tight clothes chasing that man? Yeah. Like, you know. When I think what of sex, I kind of think of women. Yeah, I think of tits and maybe a bum. Bosoms and. and I think of like voluptuous, that, like kind of. Yeah, the Coca Cola shape. Yeah. That's like... I think that's why I find, find male stripping so uncomfortable because I'm just not used to that overt sexuality, even mm. though I'm straight. Yeah, you don't, it's true, you don't often see it, apart from the Diet Coke ad. <laughs> <laughs> the Diet Coke rape, that's really old now, though. Yeah, it is old. Is there anything that you find sexually arousing that you just wouldn't ever, like, act upon because it's problematic? Oh, no, I think I'm quite free with the things that I would like to experiment with. What about violence? Being strangled, anyone ever tried to strangle you? Yes, and... Um, that's not something I'm into unless it's something that we've discussed and there's like a level of trust and you know the person really well I don't think you should be ex- like you should never be experimenting BDSM like one night without that people knowing so fucked up. like you need to have like proper trust with somebody to feel able people on tinder will be like only interested in people who mm. are into strangling but then it has to be like again where are the safe words where are the lines and you draw yeah. them together um, I like like I like a little bit of rough play, but I there there is a line that I would wouldn't enjoy because is it meet I, I guess it's like that thing of is it mutual rough play or is it rough play on you? I like a bit of rough play on me. Would yeah. you not do it on anyone? Like, would you not be reciprocal with it? Because I think I'd find yeah. it problematic if not I was be. being spanked yeah. and strangled or <laughs> hair pulled if I wasn't allowed to reciprocate that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree. You need to have some equality in the bedroom, for sure. But if you're quite a selfish lover, maybe you just want it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I don't know. I guess... Like, because the whole thing is... It's called power play for a reason. You can't both be in power. One of you's got to be <laughs> powerful over the other person. Yeah. 
Do you I think, think we're conditioned as women to, to be take... subordinate? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're taught to be like what yeah, about... the subs, the subs to the doms. What about rape fantasies? I know things like Fifty Shades of Grey got a lot mm. of criticism from the BDSM community, being like, "Hey, this isn't how we play." <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably have fantasized about maybe being raped. But I, and that's actually quite troubling, isn't it? I think I have, and I, I, mm. I find it really troubling and kind of heartbreaking because it was like the sex that I was taught about from films mm. and how things were shown was really... I mean, the women weren't in control. Yeah. The women weren't... It was all about male pleasure. It mm. wasn't about female pleasure at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is something kind of troubling in that. And also this, I don't know, like, because your sexuality so, as we've discussed, is so out of your control. Getting raped is so out of your control. And maybe we try to connect those two things to be like, I'm so sexually liberated. But I it's let... been so normalised. Mm. It's so normalised in our society. It's like, at once, one of the most shameful things that can happen to you. But then not really at all yeah I mean it's really I don't know I find it really hard to even speak about the relationship between that sort of stuff and I think for me I don't go near power play because of my fears of that sort of thing Mm. you know yeah and like I don't know it's just rape is such a nasty word and a nasty act and to put it next to a word like fantasy it just yeah there is something that feels very troubling about that but then so much porn is kind of directed that way mm. yeah it's really violent and aggressive and animalistic and yeah but, but i hate the phrase i'm gonna ruin her yeah even just like do her give her one fuck her yeah i don't mind fuck fuck's quite nice i mean it could be <laughs> oh. <laughs> i think this podcast has been a good first step for us <laughs> first step next step we've taken many steps to this point yeah Okay, let's finish on something a bit more positive, because that went quite dark in the end. (laughs) Do you know yourself sexually? Yes. Thank fuck I do. I know my body better than I ever have. I know the things I like and the things I don't like. I know how to treat myself and the things I want from a partner. Treat yourself. Yes, I think I do now, but I I still think it's an ongoing learning process. Yeah. And I want to feel just as enlightened you know at 70 as I do here at 30 so yeah what about you yeah I think I agree I think I am very comfortable with my sexuality and who I am now and the things I enjoy and the things I don't enjoy but it is such a process and every so often you uncover something that is either interesting or exciting or a bit something you don't want to do and yeah, it's such a process. Mm. Your sexuality is never done. Yeah. What would you tell your teenage self about her sexuality? What would you tell what would you say to her? Don't be afraid of it and don't let yeah. anyone else make you feel ashamed of it and talk about all of the things that you think you shouldn't and just test those limits a bit more with people because actually you can be quite graphic and you can be quite open and you'll realise that people... actually really like that. They appreciate it because they're like, thank fuck you're saying all the things that I'm feeling, you know? And you'll find that most things that you've ever sexually fantasised about or had any kind of weird visuals in your brain pop up <laughs> that you're worried about that you thought you were a pervert there is somebody out there who felt the same there is so many perverts out there you are not the biggest one <laughs> ah that's the end that's the end that's, that's the end of series, series two. two thank you das 
people for listening to series two of Das. Yeah, We've we, had fun. We honestly do appreciate the fact that you guys listened to this and we work really hard on it, so we hope we hope you've enjoyed entering our quite intimate and sometimes graphic conversations. We've loved So pleased you know you so listen. much about me. <laughs> um yeah, if you like what we do, do share and tell your friends, subscribe to us on uh itunes or whatever your podcast provider is you can catch us on instagram this is das twitter at das underscore podcast and facebook das podcast we'll be taking a break over the summer we're going to be making some new content and we're very excited to share with you but this will be the last podcast for a little bit so we're gonna love you and leave you like it share it that's That's it. it. Done. That was quite intimate, wasn't it? That was.